from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life. Because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Hi, Nancy Grace here. Is chronic daily pain destroying your sleep and quality of life like it has for my mom? If you suffer from nagging moderate to severe pain, I've got a discovery you should try. Quell is an FDA-cleared breakthrough wearable technology. Developed by doctors, Quell was shown to relieve chronic pain in multiple studies. It works by helping turn down the volume of pain by triggering your body's natural pain blockers. It's like a volume control between your pain and your brain. Quell. 100% drug-free, easy to use, no prescription required, and it can be used while sleeping. With almost 200,000 devices sold, Quell is designed for anyone suffering with a wide range of pain. If you suffer from daily challenging pain, I urge you to try Quell risk-free 60 days. If you're not thrilled, return it for a refund. Go to quellradio.com, enter promo code NANCY for $30 off a starter kit. Quell, Q-U-E-L-L. QuailRadio.com. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I'm hoping the Lord will let me live until we find the person who took my daughter. Rosie Tapia was six years old when she was kidnapped and sexually assaulted. Her body was found several hours later in a canal off the Jordan River. A few days after Rosie's passing, there was items that were left on her gravesite. Um, So I just gathered them up and took them home. One of those items was a Barbie doll. Coalition members say they have reasons to believe this may be a valuable clue, but did not share what those were. It's a sweetheart's Barbie that was manufactured in 1994. They did say that two possible persons of interest have been identified who had some fixation with Barbies. Who left a vintage Barbie doll on a six-year-old little girl's grave? An unsolved attack and murder. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. First of all, before I go to John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, also with me, Dr. Bethany Marshall and director of the Cold Case Research Institute, Cheryl McCollum, to Daryl Cohen, veteran criminal defense attorney, former prosecutor. Daryl, why can't some criminals help themselves? Who else would go and leave a Barbie doll on this baby's grave, a little girl that was raped and murdered? And then some pervy dude shows up and puts a Barbie doll on her grave. What's with your clients, Daryl Cohen? 
I mean, it's just like going back to look at the scene of the crime or taunting a victim with hang-up calls on the phone after you attack them. Somebody goes back to her grave. To me, it's a desecration, Daryl. Well, I agree, but Nancy, let me be very clear. It's not my client, and I don't like representing people like that. But having said that, and Bethany is going to be much oh, oh, better. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. You, you've never represented a murderer before? I didn't before. say that. I don't like representing people like that. Oh. I clearly have represented people charged with murder. Some are actually guilty. Some are not. Mm-hmm. But why would they go back? They go back because they're taunting. They have some and there's something in their psyche This is really want to get caught, and they're taunting the public. They're taunting law enforcement, trying to show that I am actually smarter than they are. I am bigger than they are, and they'll never catch me. But they sort of want to be caught regardless because they love the publicity. These are sick people. Well, another thing, Daryl, when a defendant, in this case a child predator and killer, does that it's like a fixation and i'm going to need to shrink on this uh dr bethany marshall but daryl cohen the evidence that you can obtain from the barbie doll i know it sounds crazy but it's a vintage barbie doll who has one of those i mean my sister had some but when i was little i cut all their heads off that was the scene let me tell you that when she came home and all the heads were gone but daryl cohen who has a vintage barbie who would know where the grave is, who would go to the grave and then keep it a secret. Like if this was a little a friend from a family that knew her, they would have told the victim's family, oh, uh, Susie wants to go and put her doll on Rosie's grave. You know, when people leave items, sentimental items at grave sites. But this was not someone the family knew, Daryl. No, it sounds to me very much like someone who's taunting, someone who's going to leave his or her DNA on that Barbie doll, someone that's giving a clue, even if it's designed to throw people off. But absolutely, you're right. A vintage Barbie doll, number one, is probably expensive. Number two, it's showing that I know what's going on, and you, law enforcement, are a bunch of idiots. But they're going to find, in all likelihood, that law enforcement's ultimately going to find them. Locate. You know who it reminds me a little bit of? To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute, you know in BTK, Bind, Torture, and Kill, he would dress dolls up like his victims. Do you remember that, Cheryl? Yeah, I do indeed. And it's funny you said that, because let me tell you what I noticed about this Barbie doll. There's an injury at her neck. There's a little hole right at her neck, and the foot of the Barbie doll looks like something had chewed on it in a way. The Barbie is clean. The bows are still in the hair, so it's not like this doll had been out in the weather or found in the yard after somebody was playing with it and discarded it. It looked like it was straight out of the box new, except for those two things that stuck out to me. The other thing that we need to keep in mind, Nancy, this was not a vintage Barbie. The Barbie doll was found in 2005, days after her funeral. Her mama found it. The Barbie was done, you know, in, I think, 1994, they said. So it was a new doll. So it's vintage now, but at the time it was a new doll. That, that's significant. That's a significant fact. Who left a Barbie doll on Rosie Tapia's grave? It is to me, too. That's the big question. Investigators are begging the public 
for information after little six-year-old Rosie was found raped and murdered. Utah Cold Case Coalition has arranged for DNA evidence to be gathered from the doll. That doll found on Rosie's grave at the Salt Lake City Cemetery after her burial. But back to the crime itself. Let's go all the way back to August 13 that year. Somebody removed a screen from the window on Rosie's family ground floor apartment and took Rosie away. Her body found in a canal off the Jordan River. To John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter, let's go back to the beginning. What happened? Nancy, August 13th was a Sunday, and it was in the wee hours of the morning that Louine Tapia went into her children's bedrooms to make sure they were all tucked in and, and sleeping soundly. Louine first checked her twins. Both boys, both sons, were sound asleep in their beds. Uh, so uh, she heads to her daughter Rosie's room. At first, Louine thinks her eyes are playing tricks on her, but she soon realizes that no, her daughter is not in her bed. Before Louine even has a chance to think of much more logical explanations, like she's gone to the bathroom or snuck downstairs, she notices a couple of things that make matters much, much worse. Rosie's curtains are pulled back, the blinds are tossed to the side, and the window is wide open. Her daughter is gone, completely vanished. Daryl, you heard the description of the room. What does that tell you about the killer? Well, it tells me that the killer knew that this child was in there. It tells me the killer had a previous history of at least viewing the child, whether it was a male or a female, it tells me they knew when to come in because the child would be sleeping, the family would be basically asleep, and everything would be quiet. It would be very easy to sneak in, grab this child, and go. Tell me one more time, John Limley, a crime online investigative reporter where this and all other breaking crime and justice news can be found. John Limley, tell me again about the condition of the room. Uh, of course, most importantly, Rosie is not in her bed. She's gone. The curtains are pulled back. The blinds are tossed to the side and the window is left completely open. To Cheryl McCollum, director of the Cold Case Research Institute. Uh, Cheryl, that tells me a lot. What about you? Absolutely. Nancy, this whole scene should tell you a lot. The fact that the child was killed so quickly tells you a lot. We all know in child abduction cases, when the child is killed within three hours, it's normally a stranger, and it's normally somebody that will attack and kill again. A new lead in the Rosie Tapia murder. For 23 years, her murder remains unsolved. The six-year-old was taken from her home, her body later found near a canal in Salt Lake City. But ABC4's news has learned of a tip that could help bring the family justice after more than two decades. Behind every crime, there's a story, and the truth matters. Here's ABC4 senior crime and punishment correspondent Marcos Ortiz with the Justice Files. The tip comes from a man who wants to remain anonymous. It's very surprising, even to Louine Tapia, Rosie's mother. And if police find this credible, it could turn this investigation in a whole new direction. It's the early morning hours of August 13, 1995. A man who wants to remain anonymous is standing outside his home. He saw a white pickup truck parked near the bridge by the canal leave. And as he did that, a kid come walking down the sidewalk. 
And what I noticed about him when he come under the light was that he had on denim pants, but from about the knees down, they were dark, dark colored. And from the knees up, they weren't that dark. The man says the teen came in his direction and got within three feet of him. That's when he looked down at the sidewalk. And when he come walking by me, the sidewalk was wet. But when he walked by me, I realized his pants were wet. That is highly significant. What happened to six-year-old Rosie, taken out of her home, horrifically assaulted her body, her tiny body found in a nearby canal it's very significant that a person was seen a man was seen nearby and his clothes were wet to john limley crimeonline.com investigative reporter what about it what do we know about this tip the tip that we were just hearing from our friends at ktvx tv it was marcus ortiz speaking with a man who insisted he remain anonymous but that the day baby rosie goes missing he sees a white pickup truck parked near the bridge by that very same canal there in Salt Lake City. He sees a man in the pickup leaving, and as he did that, a guy walked by. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. And the guy's pants were soaked. John Limley, I feel like this case has gotten stalled somehow. Who's working in the case? There is a new group called the Utah Cold Case Coalition. Uh, they've held a press conference recently, and they're the ones that shared the news about that Barbie doll left at the gravesite. The coalition, by the way, made up of attorneys, private investigators, public relations profession professionals, and other businesses. All of them are working for free. Representatives from the group say that two possible persons of interest have been identified who had some fixation with Barbies. That doll again, a sweetheart Barbie manufactured in 1994. A new cutting edge DNA extraction method is being used on the doll to try to identify who it came from. Now the group 
plans to wait at least four to six weeks to move forward with the analysis because they are working very closely and uh, sort of taking the lead from police on the investigation. Does a Barbie doll sweetheart edition left on a grave of a six-year-old little rape and murder victim shed new light on a cold case? To Dr. Bethany Marshall, L.A. psychoanalyst, a fixation on Barbie dolls? I, I didn't know that such a thing existed. Now, I know that there's a guy who has had multiple plastic surgeries, I'm talking 30, 40, or more, to make himself look like the Ken doll. And there's a woman who has had a number of surgeries to make herself look like the Barbie doll, the classic Barbie. But what is that? As There's got to be a name for it when you're obsessed with Barbie dolls. Well, Nancy, I actually think it's pretty straightforward pedophiles who are preoccupied with children are preoccupied with the things of childhood, right? So not only is whoever abducted poor little Rosie, was he preoccupied with her, but probably anything that reminded him of childhood, including dolls. Who plays with Barbie dolls? Little girls. Who did he abduct? A little girl. This, I, you know what creeps me out most about this? I was thinking about Jeffrey Dahmer, who was fixated on his victims even after they were dead. Remember, he was fixated on them even after they were in a vat of acid, in a pot of boiling water. The fixation did not die. I once had a patient who was molested by a priest. The priest started when he was six or seven years old. It continued throughout adolescence. The, it, my patient finally stood up to the priest when he was 26 years old. The priest still stalked and harassed him. It wasn't until the priest died that he finally stopped thinking about my patient. So these preoccupations can go on forever and in very strange and bizarre ways. So I would, in terms of trying to crack this case, I would look at anybody in the community who has a preoccupation on or a fixation with a child and with the things of childhood. And I think that will provide the the richest clues. Well, believe it or not, uh, to Cheryl McCollum, obsession with Barbies is not as uncommon as I thought it was before I started working this case. There's one 33-year-old male who has very minimalist decor in his home, except for the 3,000 dolls he has up. But that guy has a professional interest in toys because he's a consumer trend director of strategy, okay? His Barbie collection began when he was just 13, and he bought the, quote, great shape Barbie in a turquoise spandex gym outfit with striped leg warmers. I don't know if you recall that one. I only had one Barbie. I think I had a midge. I also killed them. Um, they didn't keep their heads very long. I just didn't play with dolls that much. I don't know what that says. I'm afraid to actually ask Dr. Bethany. So I'll just, I'll just let that sleeping dog lie. But Cheryl McCollum... The obsession with Barbies, which I thought was extremely obscure. Apparently, there's more of them out there than I knew about, Cheryl. I, I can't agree with Dr. Marshall anymore. She is absolutely on the money. And I'm going to disagree with Mr. Cohen on something. Predators, sexual predators of children, 
go back to the crime scene to relive those memories. They enjoy it. Just like me and you may drive past the old high school and reminisce about the old stadium and things like that. They're going to go I back never do that. I never do that. Ever. Occasionally when we're in Macon, we drive by my old high school. The twins go, isn't that where you went to buy high school? I'm like, yeah, it was awesome. And I keep going. I mean, I no, I, I don't do that that much. And what does that mean, Dr. Bethany? While I've got a shrink, I just don't <laughs> think back on it that much. Well, it depends on whether or not you were fond of those memories, right? I think I, they were great pretty... memories. I don't have bad memories. I'm yeah, just kind of like busy rich... right now. You have a rich, full life. You do not need to go backwards in time to, oh, is that what you to call create it? meaning. But, you know, Cheryl's correct. I, I, I think that it's not that this perpetrator is taunting the police. He's still fixated on this little girl, and he is reliving the crime. This was his glory day. He was, he, this was the moment of glory where he actually broke into her room, snatched her, and had his way with her. And in the absence of having access to more victims, he's going to keep thinking about it, fantasizing about it. It's probably a part of a masturbatory routine. He probably has pictures of pornography on his computer. This is how this man or woman, but most likely man, lives his life in a fantasy world. Guys, we are talking about a six-year-old little girl, Rosie Tapia, taken out of her home, her room in disarray, Nobody heard anything. That is not uncommon. And as Cheryl McCollum was stating earlier, if it's a stranger on child abduction, typically over 70% of the time, that child is dead in the first three hours. That stat jumps up into the 80s at the end of 24 hours. Rosie was found dead, having been raped. Her body just thrown into a canal, a body of water. We want answers. We now learn that someone places a Barbie doll on her grave. I want to know who. Hi, Nancy Grace here. Have you ever Googled yourself, your neighbors, somebody at work, a crush? 57% of Americans admit to keeping an eye on their own online reputation. 46% admit to using the internet to look up somebody from their past. But Google and Facebook, the tip of the iceberg when it comes to finding personal information. There's an innovative new website called Truth Finder. It's now revealing the full scoop on millions of Americans. Truth Finder can search through hundreds of millions of public records in a matter of minutes. Truthfinder members can literally begin searching in seconds for sensitive data like criminal, traffic, arrest records. Before you bring someone new into your life and around the people you care for, your children, consider using Truthfinder. What you find may astound you. Go to truthfinder.com forward slash Nancy right away to start searching. Truthfinder.com forward slash Nancy truthfinder.com forward slash nancy find the truth crime stories with nancy grace welcome to the home of stanley collarite whose collection of more than 2,000 barbie dolls fills up four whole rooms 
Stanley, also known as the Barbie Man, has been building his incredible collection for 16 years, and now it's thought to be worth a staggering $80,000. Hi, I'm Stanley Colorite, and welcome to my Barbie collection. Stanley scours websites and yard sales to build his collection, spending up to $30,000 per year. This is where all the dolls are held in the wonderful museum. There's 2,000 Barbies in this room alone. This is the very first Barbie that I purchased, is the 1992 Happy Holiday Barbie. You are hearing, quote, I'm addicted to Barbie on Barcroft TV on YouTube. Now, let me make clear that that guy showing us a tour of his Barbie mansion is in no way connected to the Rosie Tapia murder. But what I'm telling you is that there is a fixation on Barbies. You don't believe me? Listen to this. People first come to my place. They just start Snapchatting. <laughs> they just go, oh my God, can I take a picture? My name is Azusa. I'm 35 years old. I'm obsessed with Barbie. I could go on and on and on with people obsessed with Barbies. Uh, to Dr. Bethany Marshall, L.A. psychoanalyst, boy, do I need a shrink. I mean, to me, that just sounds like people with too much time on their hands. But I guess the way I'm obsessed with my twins, my children, obsessed with, you know, are, are their clothes ironed? Is their room clean? Do, have they finished their homework? Are they handing this assignment in on time? Have they had five servings of fruit and vegetables today? Are they getting enough sleep? Have they had this physical checkup? Blah, blah, blah. Do, what about piano? What about band? What about, I mean, my head's about to blow up. So some would <laughs> call that an obsession. I guess everybody has something dear to their heart. So I'm not knocking it. When they say they have identified two people obsessed with Barbies, I mean, clearly, a lot of people are obsessed with Barbies. I, I just still, I keep asking you, Bethany, and you're not really giving I, me a satisfactory okay, answer. So what is it when people are obsessed with dolls? I, I would not use the word obsession. I would use the word fetish. The dolls are fetishized. So when somebody has a fetish, like a, an interest in like a foot, a whip, a chain, a doll, something that other than a full human relationship it's because that doll, that foot, that object of some emotional or sexual preoccupation cannot talk back, cannot put you down, cannot degrade you. You have complete control, power, and dominion over that object. A story comes to mind recently of a woman I heard in the news who was preoccupied with collecting dolls of all sorts, but she alienated her own adult daughter because she was uninterested in her daughter. So she was more interested in the things over whom, over which she could have control and wouldn't talk back to her than a real human being, her own child who had her own personality. And then there was a story trending on Twitter a couple months ago, a Japanese man who fell in love with a hologram. And so it was this little girl in a glass bulb bubble, a hologram, who looked like a Barbie doll. She had a nipped-in waist, big breasts, you know, pigtails, um, big blonde hair. And he had a whole wedding, and he carried this, this little hologram in a glass bubble down the aisle. And he called himself that he had what's called 
indigenous sexuality, that it, his, his sexual interest was in um, the digital realm, not in the realm of real people. So when you think of people who are preoccupied with Barbie dolls, they only want something that is inhuman, cannot stand up to them, cannot talk back, cannot make them feel bad about themselves, and something over which they have complete power and control. Question. It is possible that a grown adult can be obsessed with dolls for many reasons. It could be a hobby, like, you know, repairing them, restoring them, um, repainting their features. Another reason, history. Collectors of dolls love history and historic dolls. Fashion, sewing and costuming, nostalgia, um, therapeutic value. I understand dolls can soothe psychological needs or voids. People decorate with dolls. Hoarders. Um, celebrity worship. For instance, if the doll is a celebrity doll, I don't see any of those fitting this scenario, Cheryl McCollum. We've got to retrace that crime scene, Cheryl. Yes, this particular Barbie, Nancy, is not what you're describing. It's not one of the Barbies that had a Bob Mackie outfit on. It's not a holiday Barbie. This is not a collector's item. There were other items left at the crime scene along with this Barbie. Whether it was clothing or other toys or candy, we don't know. But that might be also a hint. I think we're getting down a rabbit hole with this Barbie. I don't think she holds all the key everybody thinks they do. If this Barbie potentially had the killer's DNA, the police would be using the MVAT on that doll. The police aren't. And even this group says, we're going to wait six weeks because the test is so expensive. This is not going to change this case, I don't believe. People visit the Okay, let's shift away from that. Let's shift off Barbie and back onto the crime scene. Back to John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. Is it true that her brother and sister slept in the same room with her? And what time do we think the kidnap occurred? The the kidnapping we think took place between 1 a.m. and 4 a.m. on Sunday, August 13th of that year. It's interesting to note that the night before, this is August 12th, sometime between 7 and 8 p.m., 18-year-old Amelia Tapia looks out her family's apartment window and sees a man carrying her little sister, Rosie. Uh, Amelia runs right out, opens the door, grabs Rosie. The man is wearing sunglasses and a hat. He tells Amelia that Rosie had been hurt while playing on the slide, maybe even kicked in the back. Amelia says thank you, shuts the door, and immediately starts checking Rosie out. Amelia lifts Rosie's shirt, asks where she's been hurt. Rosie says, I didn't get hurt. It dawns on Amelia that the man actually called Rosie by name. So she asked Rosie, how in the world did this man knew, uh, know who she was? And she said, I don't know. The Tapia children went to bed between 9 and 9.30, according to their mother that night. And again, sometime between 1 and 4 a.m., someone abducted Rosie through that bedroom well, window. I mean, that can't be just a coincidence, Cheryl McCollum. It's got to be the same guy. Now we're on to something. That's what I'm talking about. Not only does it fit the same description, but her brother, the killer, spoke to him and told him, go back to bed. 
and the brother later did the composite drawing of the person that is the same look of the person the mother spoke to. Not only did the person know the child's name, he knew where she lived, and he was hanging out at a playground. If that doesn't sound like a pedophile, I don't know what does. Take a listen to our friends at KTVX-TV. It's been hard these uh, 21 years. It's been really hard. Now, Salt Lake Police learned of a possible lead reviewing old notes. They've also found new information and are seeking help in locating three men that may or may not be connected to the crime. We have uh, got a statement of a suspicious individual that actually was seen by our witness on uh, one of the local television channel stations being interviewed. They're now requesting all news media video of that time period to show their witness. Police also want to talk to an African-American man who police say was throwing garbage out at 3 in the morning. The family hired a private investigator who now gave police the name of a person who they claim resembles the composite released years ago. That one and the picture that they have of this guy, they look familiar. So that's why they got their attention on that right now. The family has had their hopes dashed before whenever there's a new development. But Rosie's mom says she's willing to write it out. So it does upset me sometimes because I want her case solved. And I'm hoping one day um, this will be solved. They're following this up um, with additional um, statements and interviews of the victims and also witnesses because uh, it's, be, uh, it's becoming a more a larger investigation than maybe it was initially. One of the avenues under investigation reports that a man was seen hanging around the apartment playground, a man who carried Rosie home Saturday after she fell off the slide. She said that guy was sitting on one of the benches just watching the kids. And why would a guy just watch kids if he didn't have no kids? He's probably seeing who's going to hit next. You are hearing our friends at KSL-TV. Why would a guy just be sitting on a bench watching children if they weren't one of his children? It reminds me, Dr. Bethany, I, there's a whole world out there I knew nothing about until I had the twins. The subculture of play dates and uh, play activities and play spots. For instance, when I would take the children to Lego before John David got too tall to get on the rides, uh, you know, the kinds that are in malls, they don't let adults that are without children come in. They can't come in. You have to have a wristband and you have to be attached to children. And children can't go onto various rides or in playpens without the consent of their guardian with them. They don't let single, like, creepy males by themselves wander around in there. And there's a reason for that. What this woman is saying is right. Why would a guy just be sitting on a bench watching children like a cat watching a mouse if they don't have a child out there playing? You know, unfortunately, Nancy, the types of protections you're talking about in like the mall or at Legoland, there are no such protections in public parks or at bus stops. And, you know, just as a fisherman goes to a stream, pedophiles go to parks, pedophiles go to schools, and we cannot stop them. And this follows such a classic pattern of the pedophile sitting on the bench, 
looking at the children, just like a hunter looks out at the savanna, waiting for the child that can be picked off and separated from her family. He, he felt he had a special and unique relationship with her. You know, he returned her back to the family, if I understand the, the story correctly, before then he took her, kidnapped her, abducted her, and killed her. So his fantasy fixation with her was going on for a long time before he worked up the courage to commit the crime. You know, another issue, if you look at the statement, Cheryl, I don't know how this case got so twisted up. The brother, Robert, who was only four at the time when Rosie was abducted, raped, and murdered, says he saw a man he didn't know in their room that night. The man had a beard and told him to go back to sleep. Correct. Let's go back to the guy at the park first, though, Nancy. He invented a reason to pick the child up, carry her. So he's, like, hugging her, talking to her. No, Again, knows where she lives. So he, he has invented a reason, because she was not hurt, to touch her, to caress her, to hold her. That's very disturbing. At that point, I think, is when he made his mind up. He was going to kidnap her and assault her. John Limley, CrimeOnline.com investigative reporter. It, it seems to me this whole case was screwed up and botched at the beginning. You've got a six-year-old little girl, Rosie, taken out of her room, raped and murdered, her body just thrown into a canal. You've got a guy watching her on the playground that day, actually picking her up, as Cheryl said. You've got the little brother giving a description of a man in his room that night, but they don't have anybody? If she was raped, there's got to be DNA. Have they run it back through uh, the, the the lab with heightened DNA technology? I mean, how did this case go so wrong, John Limley? Another example is the man who we heard at the outset of the program who saw this young man with wet jeans. He went to the police station a few years later to uh, describe this after he saw something on TV about what happened that night. And he was trying to help assist in creating a composite of the, the fellow's face that he saw. And the policeman kept giving him options that were too old. They were, in his words, hardened criminal-looking faces. And he said, no, this was a younger person. This was a teenager. And finally, he just got up and left because the police were having no part of that. They did not believe it was a teenager. Another thing, you do know, Cheryl McCollum, that the little brother, then four, was not asked to give a composite sketch until years later. Years! It's, it's baffling, Nancy. I think the brother and this witness need to get together and work on the composite with the same artist, not at the same time, but with the same artist. It's critical. And at this point, they need to take that composite and they need to make an age progression. What does he possibly look like now? Take a listen. We do know, according to this KSL TV reporter, that search dogs were brought into the area but what did they find? Around 8 p.m., authorities brought in a team of bloodhounds to try and track down where Rosie went into the canal. Police suspect the child knew her abductor, and right now there are a few suspects, but very little to go on. 
A neighbor who lived two floors above Rosie's window reported hearing a scream yesterday morning. And other neighbors say a strange man had brought the girl home from this playground Saturday night after she fell. I don't believe it's somebody we know. Um, hopefully it's not because it'd be even more devastated to know that. Rosie's death comes one week after this woman's daughter was abducted and raped from the same apartment complex. This woman says the property managers told her to keep it quiet. Oh, now, right now, the, our main concern is our security. If we're going to have to live here, I think there should be better either Either better security or more security. Security is now everyone's concern, but for Rosie's family, the priority is getting the killer in custody. For somebody to do this, he had to have a sick mind. Very sick mind to do something like this to a six-year-old girl. Well, John Limley, did you think about telling me another little girl had just been kidnapped and raped in the same apartment complex and building? That was one of the things that really should have maybe prevented this in the first place is heightened security after that first event just several days hey, before. Hey, 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 I'm not playing woulda, coulda, shoulda, John Limley. Cheryl McCollum, that's the person. That is the person. You don't have two kidnaps and rapes of two little girls approximately the same age in the same apartment building within 10 days of each other and it not be the same person Nancy, they just decided to kill rosie so they wouldn't leave behind a witness you and i have said before if we can get within 10 miles of a similar transaction we like it within a mile i can guarantee it's the same person within the same apartment complex good lord Amati, come on there's no excuse in this person's face not being everywhere. Take a listen to our friends at KSL-TV. But we knew that it wasn't. We knew that Rosie wouldn't just climb out of the window at that late at night and just leave and go throw herself in the river because we know she wouldn't do that. Rosie Tapia's sister and family never believed her drowning was accidental. Her mother discovered Rosie missing just before 6 a.m. Sunday, the window of her bedroom open, screen removed. Now autopsy results reveal Rosie was probably sexually assaulted before drowning in the Jordan River Canal, where her body was discovered by a jogger. It's just so sad because somebody could be so sick to take a baby from her room, from her security and do such a rotten thing to her. What are we supposed to do? Keep our kids locked up, our windows locked, our doors locked, put bars on our window to keep our kids from being stolen and, and tossed in a river? If you have information, tip line is anonymous, 385-258-3313. That's 385-285-3313. 1-3. Nancy Grace, Crime Stories, signing off. Goodbye, friend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 